What's up, everyone? This is The Rotation with Mike and John. We're back here for another episode. Sorry it's been a little bit of a delay, about a two-month delay on our last episode, but we're back from here until the World Series, giving you all the baseball takes that we have for the week. So, Mike, how you been doing? Been doing well. Uh, there's a lot that has happened in the world of baseball, a lot in the game, a lot of crazy times, frustrating exciting yes. emotional all that so i'm uh, excited to be back ready to get into it and ready to get going for the rest of the year yes sir yes sir so it's been yes like mike said it has been a very interesting time in baseball mm-hmm. um not a lot has changed in the standings from our last episode back in may but it's been like almost like there's been a huge change mm-hmm. and there hasn't really been if you look at the standings from when our last episode is which i did to now, the standings haven't really changed much other than the Reds are now in contention. The mm-hmm. Rays are in Orioles are. Right. It's like all the standings flipped. Yeah, from pretty last much. year. Yeah. There was just like everyone on the bottom. And our beloved Yankees are in last place in the AL East. And we'll get into that in here in a little bit. But, Mike, what was your favorite part of the first half um, in general? Favorite part, you know, that's actually a good question because there's a lot of different things. Um, I mean, probably my favorite moment of the first half in general was being able to see Liam Hendricks come back. I think that was really cool, which I believe we, um, on one of our episodes, we definitely brought that up. Uh, unfortunately, since then, he's gone down with Tommy John, mm-hmm. needing Tommy John surgery. So that's a little sad. Um, just, I guess, I guess the, one of my favorite parts in general about the first half was just how exciting a lot of the games were, how competitive a lot of the games were and seeing some rising stars kind of break out of their shells on these suddenly contending teams, namely the Orioles and some of the guys that have really, um, you know, stepped up, stepped their game up to a whole nother level this year. So yeah, it's just, it's been a, I thought it was a very exciting first half with a lot of, uh, Guys you wouldn't expect to have success, having a lot of success, which is awesome to see. How about you? Yeah, I mean, my favorite part is probably Ellie De La Cruz. He came up and was everything everyone hoped. I mean, you and I talk about the Yankees prospects all the time and how we hope they come up as good as Ellie, even a quarter of what he mm, Oh, yeah. Up. He came up with absolute fire. And that's what you want from your, your prospects. Mm-hmm. So when people talk about these top-ranked prospects, this is what I expect for you to come up and you to play like that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's probably one in uh, a thousand or a million prospects that are going to play like that. But at least give the energy that he gives. He he. It was just amazing to see, and it was good for baseball. It was good for the Reds to be successful again. Um, he lit a fire under that team, and it's mm-hmm. amazing how one player can make a whole difference of a whole franchise. The city was they packed the stadium. I mean, if if correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Reds were pretty much last place in the Central, or at least close to the Cardinals in that sense. Yeah. And now they're on pace to win that division. Um, Milwaukee's leading it right now, but uh, and the recording what we're doing right now, but right. Um, you know, with his like spark that he gave the team, mm-hmm. 
right off the bench, I, I've been hoping for the Yankees. So as we kind of switch into that gear of the Yankee talk of the portion of the show, it's early in the show, so we're going to dive right in. It's been a very, very frustrating season as two Yankee fans sitting here. I think Mike and I have gone back and forth with both straight to each other if we were in person. So, But, Mike, eh, our beloved Yankees are really struggling right now. Realistically, they, they tied the series with Houston, which is really good. It's been their kryptonite over the last five or six years in the playoffs. I don't know how to fathom what's going on in New York right now. Second highest paid team, um, you know, second highest in payroll, yep. and they can't get the job done. What's going on with the Yankees? I I, I don't know. I saw a thing earlier today. Uh, splitting with Houston was was good. It was, you know, not really what I expected. I expected Houston, based on how the two teams have played this year, to to take the series at least 3-1, if not a four-game sweep, which would have been awful. Uh, but even with that splitting of Houston, because they didn't technically win the series, the Yankees have won two of their last 11 series, and those were against the Royals and the A's, yep. who have two worst records in baseball and may not make 50 wins on either team. So it's not saying much. No. I don't. I think it has been a complete shitstorm of just one bad thing after another, mm-hmm. both their own fault and not their fault. They've gotten guys that have gotten hurt. The guys that have stayed healthy have been inconsistent. We just found out that Anthony Rizzo has had a concussion for two months. And well, concussion, it's a, it's not a concussion, it's a concussion like symptoms. So you have to you have to Take that into consideration. It was not a concussion. It's not a concussion. It's concussion-like symptoms okay. that he had. I understand that there's a big difference, though, with that. I I understand that. Anyway, he's been hurt yeah. for two months. Yeah. And since he's since been getting been, hurt, I mean, he's been slumping a lot, which yeah, makes sense. 173, one homer, nine RBI in two mo- in the two months that he's been dealing with this. And yeah. he... And he he talked about how he's like, I would argue up and down with an umpire that uh, a call, you know, a called strike three looking for a strikeout was a ball. He said, and then I'd go after the game and I'd look at the tape and realize I was completely wrong. It was right down the middle. That raises a question of, okay, why weren't we after two months of this? Why is this somewhere in there? Why didn't we see what was going on? or see something was wrong, but that's beside the point. I just, you know, the young guys haven't come up and played as well as you would hope. They've been having to dip into depth pieces, which they've had some good ones. I mean, for a while there, Willie Calhoun was really good. Unfortunately, not on the team anymore. Jake Bowers has been good. Billy McKinney brought, uh, uh, like you said, a bit of a spark to the team when he joined, and he's been a pretty good, consistent player. But it's just, I, I don't know, it's, we were talking about it earlier, I know, and, and I go back to what I said then was they this year's Yankee team, for some reason, they either pitch well and don't hit, or they hit well and don't pitch. Or not or they do neither. But they never do both. They have ne- since April they haven't done both. I would say that's the that's the common theme for the last five years. Yeah, there's not there's, there's there's not been a last year's team was decent, and the only reason why it was decent because of Judge. Judge was mm. having a a career year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, unfortunately he went down with an injury against the Dodgers 
And, you know, the, the sad thing with the Yankees that I'm noticing is they they still have a winning record. You know, they're still 58 and 52. I know that's not ter- I know that's not what your expectations are, but this team is not very good. And it's not. It's not good on the bullpen. It's not good. You can you can talk to me all day. I do not think Wandy Peralta is a good bullpen guy. And you can throw all the stats you want at me. But positional-wise, yesterday's game, which was Sunday, August 6th at this time, um, he gives up a three-run homer and then a home run. After the Yankees fight back to get to the tie game, and the Yankees leave – 15 runners on base, 12 in scoring, nine in scoring position, drove in. Th- they, they had 12 runners in scoring position. They drove in three, left nine in scoring position. That's been the common theme for this season. Mm-hmm. They're getting the people on base. They're getting the guys in scoring position, but they're not, they're not getting the key hits they need. And you know what? The sad part is it's from the guys you expect to get the guys in. DJ LeMahieu. I don't know what happened with him. Maybe the injury last year got to him. Aaron Judge. I'll give him a break because he's been out. John Carlos Stanton. Those three guys. Anthony Rizzo. Now we know he's been hurt, but still. Those are the four guys who you want up mm-hmm. in that situation. Where the runner on second and third, I don't care if you hit it over the fence. Just get a single. Just hit the ball. Get make contact. You know, so that's the frustrating part for me is to see that. That's the most eyeballing. Go back. I, I, I question any Yankee fan that's watching this right now. Go back and watch any stat. It's not the pitching. It's not. It, it's more of the hitting right now. It's right. more of leaving the guys in scoring position. That is killing the Yankees right now. They can't get the hits. And that was the point of bringing McKinney up and Bowers is for them to go get the hits. And finally, we're having five through nine come through and hit hit the ball. And now one through four can't even see anything. And I, I, I know Judge is hurting and he can't play very well. But, like, it's it's frustrating to me because that is where you win games is runners in scoring position. That's how you win a World Series is you drive the runners in. I'm not saying get all 12 in, but at least half. You yeah. get half there, at least you're up six five at that point, and maybe have a chance. But it's just it's frustrating to me as a Yankee fan to see that because of all the years I watched, you know, the early two thousands and the late nineties teams mm-hmm. do that type of stuff. Driving runners, pitch well, give long innings. I also have to say one more thing about the management. Aaron Boone, I have ultimate respect for you. You gave me one of the best memories in Yankees history that I remember watching myself mm-hmm. and beating Boston in Game 7 of the, of the ALCS in 2003. But, man, your situational calls are just questionable, man. You got Wandy Peralta up. He's walked th- three straight guys. He's had a rocky innings, and you leave him out there, man. Johnny Brito's in there. He's pitching a great game after coming in for Rodon, who's – who gave up shit runs, and you pull him. I don't understand. Johnny Brito's a long, long relief pitcher. So why not leave him in? He walked two guys in a row, and he pulled them. And I said, what the – what is going on? So I'm sorry, but, like, the decision-making and criticals – okay, so another one. 
bases loaded against who did they play last last Wednesday? Uh, last Wednesday would have been. Was that the no, not the Mets. No, Mets. It was before the Astros race. The yeah, yeah, the race. So it's it's either uh, that game. Uh, which game was it? Or no, no, no. Baltimore. It was, uh, it was ba- no Baltimore was before that. So it was it was the Tuesday, not the Wednesday of the game. So there's bases loaded. Mm-hmm. IKF is up. IKF is three for four that day. And you pull John Carlos Stanton on the off the bench. My head, I think, okay, why are you doing that? And then I get the stat from Michael K saying he is two for like 40 in these situations of coming in. You have IKF who's hitting the ball well, and you're down three. And you decide to put John Carlos Stanton in, who has been struggling immensely over the last month. Yep. That's what pisses me off, is those type of moves. It doesn't make any sense. And in Boone's comment, I was trying to I was trying to go for the win. I was trying to hit the long ball. Okay, I get it. John Carlos comes up, he hits a home run, the game's over, you win the game. The probability is very small for that. Get the runners in. You got a guy who's willing, who's playing well. IKF is probably the best player on the team right now, and I'll say that straight up: he is the best player on the team. Yep, I agree. In the last thirty-nine games, he's batting over three fifty. I think it is him and Glaber. So I don't understand that. That's my that's my my opinion on that. I think that's terrible, and I think it's all it comes down to managing. So you can either continue to play this tactical baseball, this analytic fucking shit that we keep seeing all the time, or you can read the game and how it's going and actually play the game the right way. Analytics only goes so far. You have to watch the game and have some baseball freaking knowledge, man. And I and, and I, I don't mean to get upset and pissed off, but it, it, is, it is annoying. Because you watch it night after night after night after night after night, year after year after year after year. And then Hal Steinbrenner comes up and says, I don't think there's anything wrong with the team. Well, yeah, you have a winning record. But, hell, the team isn't good. It's not progressing. Your father would have fired everybody on this fucking team and replaced Boone three years ago. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think Boone would have made it to the first year. Yeah, He wouldn't have made it to COVID. So, like... (laughs) This no, is ridiculous. This is kind of a, the situational baseball, the lack of knowledge, and the lack of trying to make different moves. I get you're not going to be 100%. And I'm not asking you to be 100%, but it's staring you right in the face. You got a guy who's pitching well and you pull him. You got a guy that's not pitching well and you don't pull him. You got a guy who's batting well, you pull him out and you put someone in who isn't batting well. It just doesn't make any sense situationally. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I completely agree with everything you just said. Uh, with Boone, I've never, I've, I've always told people, I was like, he's not good at pitching staffs. He just, he's never been good at using a pitching staff. But yeah. I, because I don't think he's ever had to think about using a pitching staff. People I think some people forget he was never a coach before this no. job. No, he's first time coach. He's first time coach. His dad, his grandfather was a catcher. His dad was a catcher. He was a third baseman. His brother was a second baseman. 
No pitchers in his family. So pitching is not what he's used to. So I don't know if he's ever learned to use a pitching staff and he's never had a pitching coach that's going to step up and go, just let me handle the pitching staff. I'll make the pitching decisions. You just, you know, put the team on the field and, and worry about the lineup. With the lineup, he is very much an on-paper manager. Whatever is supposed to work on pit, namely that Stanton thing, right? On paper, Giancarlo Stanton should be a much better hitter than IKF, right? 100%. So he that's the move he goes with. But I agree right. with you. If you've got a guy that's hitting 350 over his last 39 games versus a 2 for 40 guy, yeah, there's a certain amount in baseball of swing out of it. But bases loaded against a tough opponent is not the time to let him swing out of it. It's drive the runs in and, hey, tomorrow I'll put you in the lineup and you can swing out of it to start the game when we're not losing yet. Or not yeah, I mean, and that was the, that's been the biggest thing. They've been playing down in the first two innings. Yep. They've been getting down three, four runs. That's a lot. That's a lot for a, a team to come in. And that's more than then you go back to your pitching staff as well. It's like, well, shit, Severino's looked like a shell of himself. He has looked he- terrible over the last four or five starts. Domingo Armand now goes out with alcohol abuse, and now he's in rehab now. And, you know, wish the best for him. But now you lost another guy who came in out of the bullpen and pitched five scoreless innings against the Rays and played well. You know, so it's like one one step to the other, and, and you can't continue to rely on Cole. And your your theory of that there's four, only three starters in, in the postseason – is going away because now teams are loading up where they're having four and potentially five starters in the postseason. Five good starters. We don't even have two. And it was great to have Nestor back on Saturday. He pitched a great game of what he pitched. I think it was four innings, and they said he was going to be limited. But two pitchers out of your five, you know, it's 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 questionable in my opinion. But yeah. And you'd think you'd think you'd have three because, but the thing is, Rodon's still working his way back. Like the guy's coming off of two injuries that both drastically affect his ability to pitch. I think his mechanics are off because of it. Well, that's what Andy Pettit said. Yeah, Andy because- Pettit. Andy Pettit said it in an interview that uh, he's just he's not, him and Severino are just not locating any of their pitches. Um, they look good in their pitches, but he's not. They're not to their full self. And now, Sevy, I don't understand. Maybe he's just going through something right now. But Rondon, I do understand. He's not. He's not. He's not up to par yet. He, and he's not in midseason form. What they would say. They're still in the April and May months figuring it out. And now coming into August. But at this point, you need to get your guys out there that can win the games because the season is starting to dwindle. We're getting into the second full week of August, right. and if they don't start putting some games together, they're not making the playoffs. Fuck the wild card. They're not making the playoffs at this point. So right. we'll see what happens here coming into the season. We've yeah, got a lot of great be. baseball left, and uh, let's get into it, Mikey. Mike, let's get our, our takes of the week. we got five. If you, you guys forget how we do this, we do five takes apiece for the week. Let us know in the comments what you think. Uh, let's take it away. I'll throw it over to you, Mikey. Mike, what is your first take of the week? So my first take of the week, I actually am going to take it over to the central, like you mentioned earlier with the reds, but I'm not going to talk about the reds because since, uh, our last episode, the reds are not the only team in that division that have made a push for the, for the central title. I'm keeping my eye on the Cubs 
the Cubs all of a sudden started putting together some very good baseball, mm-hmm. some very good baseball, and getting some rebounds, like rebounding seasons yeah. from some castaways, namely Cody Bellinger. I mean, at one point, the Cubs were, you know, in fourth place, third, highest third, but a far out third right. or fourth place in that division, just above the Cardinals. Like, like you said, the Reds were at one point as well. Yeah. And, all the talk was, all right, they're going to start selling guys off like Nico Horner, who, who you and I saw when um, I visited and we went to see the Cubs play the Marlins. Uh, they're going to start selling guys like Nico Horner and especially Cody Bellinger. He's going to he's having a pretty good year, so he's going to be the big piece. Mm-hmm. What happens about three, two, three days before the trade deadline? The Cubs have suddenly pushed their way into a close third and then second, and then third, and then second, bouncing back and forth behind the Brewers and with the Reds. And they're like, we're not trading Bellinger. In fact, we're really not trading anybody because we like what yeah. we've got. So it's amazing to see that kind of in that time span, that month and a half, how the Cubs' fortunes have seemed to have flipped. And now they might make the playoffs. Yeah, they're only game and a half out right now from the Central. And I believe – I don't think the wild card's in sight for them. It might be. Actually, yeah, they're they're actually in the wild card right now. They're fighting for it with with the Reds, and outside looking in is the Marlins and Diamondbacks. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, it's been very interesting. And the biggest talks going into the deadline is where's Stroman going and right. where's Bellinger going, and then the Cubs totally pulled them off. And I saw, you know, that was a common theme this trade deadline. A lot of players were pulled off. Uh, the the deadline the trade block. So, mm-hmm. looking at that, that means teams are confident now, and not not for nothing. But there's a lot of parity in baseball. There's a lot yep. of good teams. Yep. Teams are now starting to develop those prospects that they're getting from all these trades that they're making, and you know that's very good to see in baseball and see the parity, seeing the, seeing a good team. I mean, we said it during in the single squad. Um, that we love seeing that. We love seeing those type of games and, 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 and whatnot. But, um, yeah, the Cubbies are definitely making a run for it, and they're saying that we can win with this group. And it's very good for them in free agency coming up because ultimately they have Bellinger to re-sign. And Marcus Stroman even went on an interview and said, I don't know why they keep saying we want to leave. We Cody and I actually went to the front office and said we want to fight for a, a title this year. And I think that excited the GM and the owner. Like, oh shit, they're serious. They bought. We got in, a group. Man. We got a. We got a group of guys that are buying in. Yep. You know, and Definitely. that's. I mean, if you get a group of guys that are willing to buy in, no matter who's on the team, it's gonna be tough to beat those teams. So it could be. We could be seeing some Chicago October baseball over here. So I'd love to see that. Oh, me too. I, I would Especially, love to see them back. So that's a What's that's your... a that's a good that's a good one, Mike. Thanks. What's your first takeaway this week? Baltimore is here and they are here to stay. Yeah. They are. I mean, when the people tell me about Baltimore, I think it was Jeff Possum who was saying that Baltimore, watch out for Baltimore this year. They're gonna be a good team. And in my head, I thought, okay, they got they've been getting a lot of for, you know, I think Machado, they traded to the Padres. They got some prospects, been building up, you know, obviously getting Matt Holiday's son first overall in the draft was also great. But, man, this team is another team that's buying into the system and saying we're in, we're here to play now, not five years from now. 
And they are dangerous, man. They've swept the last two series they have played and beat the Yankees in their series. And when I watched that whole series, I was just like, this team is good. Like, really good. Like, World Series potential. And I'm going to say it right here in the rotation. This team could reach the World Series this year. With the talent they have, the pop they have, you know, some of the players, I'm like, golly. And especially that catcher. That catcher, uh, Mike Rockman, was his name? Adley Rutschman. Adley Rutschman. Totally. I don't know who Mike Rockman is, but <laughs> if you're listening. Shout out to you, Mike Rockman. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's like, Adley Rutschman? Okay, cool. Him too. <laughs> but he's, he's, he's a uh, – He's a heck of a catcher, and I mean the rotation's good. And um, yes, it is. But but not but not to mention, I mean they they just play with a lot of heart, and they have depth. They just dominated the the Yankees in their series. I watched that series. I was like, okay, maybe they can contend. Maybe we'll see an August Baltimore that we typically see, and it was just like, damn, nope. I haven't seen a Baltimore team like this since like CC was pitching back when he was uh, doing alcohol and had to miss that first game in the wild card, but what are your yeah. thoughts on the Baltimore Orioles? Yeah, so I, I agree with you. I was telling people uh, prior to the season, I was like, don't think that this Baltimore team's a fluke. Now, I didn't see this level of success this year for them. I yeah. thought maybe this type of season would be next year yeah. for them. This would be – last year was when they, you know, showed that they were getting ready to contend. I figured this year would be a year where they get in as a wild card and then, you know – maybe survive a wild card game, make it a five game series in the DS. No, I agree. Like this team could, could definitely make the world series. They're the um, best, second best team in the league. <laughs> yeah. Next to Atlanta. Yeah. I, I, I definitely see. And then the thing is, they're so young. They're so young that they're, they should only get better after this, which is scary for the rest of the league, but they got guys that we talk about. You know, you've got guys you expect to drive runs in, and then there's guys that get on. But they have someone that for everything you could ask for. Yes. You know, they got hard throwing pitchers, they got breaking ball pitchers, they got inning eaters, they got they got like couple a couple guys that could be closers on other teams. A you know, big motherfucking closer too. God, Dude, massive, God, he's huge. He's and he, huge, and he throws fucking. It's just like hard. He throws the ball so fucking hard. I'm like, God damn, man. Like, yeah. and it's like, I know it's everyone throws 100, but it just seems like it's coming out at 200 out of his hand. It's just like, wow, this is dominant. And having that is definitely key for the playoffs, especially when you get into tight situations. You need someone to come in and give you an inning or two. If you got to pull someone out of the bullpen, I mean, it's good to have that in your tool. Oh, 100%. But, but what's your second take? My second take, well, being since we were on the subject of uh, the World Series, mm-hmm. I'll say, in my estimation, we appear to be bound for a Braves-Rangers World Series. And I say that with all due respect, as we just gave to the Orioles, I think the Rangers are the best team in the AL when it comes to making the World Series. And that's because the Orioles, like we said, are young. They don't have yeah. a lot of playoff experience. The Rangers have brought have brought in guys between the last couple off seasons and this trade deadline, guys that have playoff experience. Yeah. They've got Martin Perez, who they're now using as their long man out of the bullpen, but they've got Max Scherzer and Nathan Evaldi as their starting pitchers, as well as John Gray, who was a number one in Colorado for a while. And their lineup has guys like Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, you know, Adolis Garcia. Like uh, Nathaniel Lau, like 
who was used to go to the playoffs with Tampa when he was mm-hmm. their first baseman. Wow. Yeah. So they're just to me, they're a team. The the Orioles are the team that right now is built to be the best team in the AL in the regular season. Texas is built to be the best team in the AL through a longer. Right. When it matters the most. But I don't know. On the NL side, like I said, I don't know if there's anybody that's going to touch Atlanta this year. They're just yeah, a tough. whole nother level. Atlanta's They're- tough, man. I mean, they, they really are. And, and, like, when it comes down to the um, Rangers, they made a good move at the deadline getting Scherzer um, from the Mets. I mean, the Mets pretty much sold off everybody that they had. And, I, you know, I give the Mets credit on a side note for doing that because the Mets did sell off everything. But if you're really going to sell – they sold. They sold yeah. everyone mm-hmm. except Lindor and, and and Polar Bear. They sold everyone, and they're that's their goal is to build around Lindor and, and Pete Alonso the next few years with these prospects and get them to back to the championship style that they were in 2015 and continue it. But I don't blame them because we've seen that type of ownership with the Yankees. Yes, okay. middle of the season, everyone's gone. Let's let's try this group out. Right. And you know what? You know, I, I give them credit for that. But yeah, I mean the Rangers made some good moves at the deadline, got some key missing pieces or depth, you should say. Yeah. Scherzer was adding to a uh starting rotation that's already doing great. And I think now he can go there and succeed even more. And they, you know what the crazy part about it? They're missing their number one pitcher. Yeah. Jacob DeGrom. Imagine if they got Scherzer still with him, still like with a healthy DeGrom. I mean, Scherzer, I don't think, I don't think Scherzer pitched the whole season with DeGrom, to be honest with you. Or did they last year? Last year, I believe they did. Well, uh, they did. Less, sort of. Sort of. When they went, they were on this team together the whole time. Well, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I definitely like those odds of Brave, Brave Rangers. So if you're a betting man, Lock those in now. I would lock those in now. Yes. Yes. What is your second takeaway? Tampa and Arizona is proving that if you build your prospects and you build your your um, farm system right, mm-hmm. you can have success. It might take some time, but they are the two youngest organizations in baseball right now, and they are at the top of their divisions right now. Or were I mean Tampa's second and. Arizona is third now. They're they're kind of slumping now, but Arizona showed a don't don't get me wrong. Arizona showed a lot of fight in the first half of the year that put them at you know like oh okay there's something to mess yeah. with, and led by the, uh, their center fielder I forget his name Corbin uh, Carroll Corbin Carroll who's a who's a, a great player fast as hell yes quick I I noticed that in the All Star game. But it's showing that when they built those type of franchises that don't have a lot of money and don't have a lot of money for payroll can substitute it with prospects in a system. And that's what how those teams have success. Mm-hmm. The Oakland Athletics, those type of teams, they have to have the team buy into their system in order for teams to have success. So hats off to Tampa and Arizona for being the youngest organizations and finally showing that being the youngest organization in or youngest in age um, organization in baseball is paying off by developing a farm system. Yeah, being young doesn't mean you can't win. Right. 
And I, especially to me, especially Arizona, like Tampa was expected to be a good, not as good as they started, but um, a strong contender in uh-huh. the East this year. They were supposed to definitely expected to be in the mix. I remember some people had Arizona finishing last in that division below Colorado, who's yeah, been very bad. So like, especially hats off to them, I think, because they proved that not only can they develop players, they can get them all to, you know, buy in and and take that next step together, which is huge for a team to be yeah. able to have a core like they have take step the next step, the next level of their game together. No, where, I mean, where have I we mean, seen that? What do you mean? 90s, 90s Yankees. Oh, 90s Yankees, yeah, yeah. And, and they bought into the team, though. Like, I don't think Arizona – I think Arizona can afford their players that they're going to have at free agency, yes. and I think they can, you know, go after that. So, having those those similar teams – I mean, but the 90 Yankees, they were they were also developing, but they also got a lot of great players. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit bought. different development. But as far as having a core of the team, it's, yeah. it's, it's huge. That's going to be I mean, huge for Arizona. They're, they're going to – I think they're going to be good for a while. Yeah, I, I agree. So what is your third take of the week? My third take of the week, you mentioned the Mets and what they did at the trade deadline. And so my third takeaway is that Steve Cohen proved at the deadline he does not care about burning money. Nope. $131 million. We said it before. We said it on last week's Cinco Squad. We've said it um, to to each other in conversation. $131 million for players Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. do not play for the team. Yep. And Cohen doesn't care. And nope. you know what? I, I agree with you. Good for you. Good for you. Like, don't good for you to like look what not what's not working in the face and go, okay, we'll figure something else out then. I'm not af- I'm not afraid to burn this money for the sake of getting rid of things that aren't helping us right now or aren't gonna help us moving forward. So yeah, yeah I mean ultimately I I it's like I don't agree with it because I think you're just wasting money and wasting time. But I also think you're doing the complete opposite of that, right? It's a contradiction of what I'm saying right now. But you're doing it a complete opposite. You're not wasting time. You're basically expediting time by saying, you know what, these guys, we, we're paying them all this money and they're not performing. And I agree with that. Dump them. And if you – I like that mentality. But I don't like the fact that they're taking on all this money, even though he can afford it, right? With baseball not having a salary cap, it allows him to do whatever he wants, really. And realistically, two of the guys, he's only got to pay for another year, which is not – Scherzer, I think, is up this year, and I think uh, he's got to pay Verlanders next year. So it's not really huge. But long-term, I mean. But if you're the Mets, I mean, this is – like I said just a couple of minutes ago, if you're going to sell, you're going to sell. Sell the team away. Go get yourself what you need. And then come back next year or a couple of years. I mean, he's already projecting 25 and 26 to be the best in Mets history. Right. So we'll see how that works out with all the prospects. But you better have some damn good coaching to do so. <laughs> and, I, and, and I think Buck Showalter is the guy to do it because he was with those early Yankee teams that couldn't get the job done. But – knew how to fight through adversity like this. I mean, that 95 team, you know, was nowhere near a playoff team and came up out of nowhere in August in September, fought for Donnie and got him into the playoffs, unfortunately lost in the DS. But, you know, 
the this is you have a good manager at, at the home to do so if they don't let him go at the end of the year. Uh, but I think you just have to believe again. It's a belief in the system that you play for, Correct. and if you have a bunch of guys there that are going to believe in the system and not be prima donnas, you're going to have success. Agreed. I agree. What is your third takeaway this week? I got to give a shout out to the Braves GM Alex Anthopoulos. 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 Been the Braves GM since 2017. And the moves he's made over the last six years has been incredible. Now, granted, there's no salary cap again in baseball. But to lock down your guys, Acuna, Austin Riley, uh, Max Strider, I think his name is? Freed. Max Freed. No, no, no. Max Max Freed and Spencer Strider. He's also locked down Michael Harris. Um, To lock down those guys while losing – Freddie, the likes of Freddie Freeman, um, and one other guy they lost from that team. Who did they lose? Um, oh, uh, Dansby Swanson. Oh, yeah, Dansby Swanson. I forgot. I was Losing those two guys and still having the success and put the team around, he's got to be up for GM of the of the decade, if not the, the year yeah. over the next couple of years. Because he the way he was able to methodically move everything around and, and keep the Braves out of contending with losing your star, Freddie Freeman, and keep them contending the way they did last year and keep them contending like they did this year is, is unbelievable. They are a really solid team. They are they most likely can repeat as – not repeat, but you know go back to the World Series and win. Mm-hmm. So hats off to the Braves, GM, and, you know – and everything he's done over the last few years, because some of the contracts he's just locking down, and, and this team is gonna is set for ten years. Yeah, they've got a ton of guys on team friendly deals, and the thing is, he's also been able to collect a group that's okay with that, that's not so centered on the money. They want what they think they're worth, but they're willing to take slight cuts for what they're worth to make sure that they stay together as a team. And what. The thing, when you say losing Freddie Freeman, that's one of the moves that stands out to me most. He loses the bidding war with the Dodgers for Freddie Freeman, responds with a trade for Matt Olson. He's like, okay, I'll just go yep. get another all-star first baseman. Yep. Oh, we need a ca- we need some catching depth? Fine. I'll go get the, the best catcher on the market, Sean Murphy, from the yep. A's. Like, he, he's, it was he's crazy. Not afraid. Not afraid to just, okay, what's next? Fine. Yep. We don't got Freddie. Well, yeah, Matt Olson's available. All right, what do you, Oakland, what do you want? Yeah. What do you want for like just matter of fact, down to business, understands how to build this team. And I think that comes from his history. He was the GM in uh excuse me, Toronto. And then he uh I believe was like in one of the higher ups in baseball operations for a couple of years with LA before mm-hmm. taking the job with Atlanta. So I mean he's helped build successful teams before, and like I said before. I think they may be bound for another title. So yeah, I yeah, mean, I agree. Definitely de- de- they have depth and they have players who bought into a system. Right. So definitely hats off to him. Definitely should be GM of the year, if not, you know, of the decade. He's played. He's made some incredible moves. So agreed, Mike. Your fourth take of the week. Well, speaking of one of those players that he was able to get out of team friendly deal, uh, the MVPs for both leagues are 
all but decided at this point. Ronald Acuna is going to be an LMVP. Shohei Otani is going to be a LMVP. Okay. I don't know if there's any – I'm taking a look at, at the stats and what they've contributed to their teams this year. I don't know if there's – barring catastrophic slumps from the two of them for yeah. the rest of the year, I don't know if there's anything anyone can do to match them this year, especially Acuna. Yeah, Acuna's Acuna's been, cr- he's been crushing it, dude. He's been unbelievable this year. And, like, a lot of people are not seeing it. 344 – are 343, 25 homers, 670, 67 RBIs, and a 1.01 OPS, which is second in the MLB. And then he has stolen bases. He has almost 60, I think, at this point. Um, I'm trying to look up the stats. Give me one second. Um, but yeah, he's just, he's crushing it, man. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, 53. He's at 53 stolen bases this year, which is a career high. Um, so he's, he's definitely going to get the category. He may even get the triple crown. Um, it's just, it, it's really incredible to see a guy do what he's doing. And then to see on the other side of the baseball, to see the same guy doing similar stats in Shohei Otani and not, and, and pitch dominantly. So, yeah. um, to see them pull him off the trade about, and I'm going to announce it right here on, on the rotation. Shohei Otani is going to re-sign with the Los Angeles Angels, and I'm saying it right here, right now. August 7th, 2023, he will re-sign with the Angels because they didn't give him up at the trade deadline, which means they have some sort of inside that he doesn't want to leave L.A. So, But besides that, I think those two are definitely – they locked that in in June, which is incredible. Kind of like IKF locking in the Courage Award or whatever for the Yankees yeah. in 2023 already, but yeah, uh, I I don't I don't blame you. I was thinking about putting those two on my list because it's just incredible that I don't know when's the last time we've seen an MVP not have a race and be so solidified so early in the season. I can't remember a time in recent memory that where that's happened. At least not. I mean, last year, even a career year from Judge last year, Otani was still at least in and somewhat Vlad. of the conversation until, like, September. And, and then Vlad. everyone was like, all right, it's Judge. Yeah, well, yeah, and Vlad. Vlad, yeah, Vlad was in it until, like, August. Yeah, Vlad was right there. I mean, he was home runs and everything, step by step. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a very long time since we've seen something like this. But, yeah, yeah I agree. Yep. What is your uh, fourth takeaway this week? Fourth takeaway. Is the AL East competitive or is it really bad? That is my question because ultimately every single team has a winning record, including Boston, who's in last place. Mm-hmm. 57-54 is the worst record, and the best record is by Baltimore at 70-42. Is it com- is it competitive? Is it is it one is it the best? Base uh, team in ba- like uh, division in baseball, or are the last three teams just so really not really that good? That's it's, it's, it's a good a question because it goes back to you know some of the, like when we talk about the NBA and where we talk about the West side of the NBA is it really that good and competitive or is it really just kind of like uh, yeah they they're okay. Yeah, no, I think it's been kind of a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B this year. I've seen, you know, 
if you break the season down into months, I've seen months where all the teams look great and then months where none of the teams have looked good, including right. the Orioles and Rays. So it's I think I think at this point you can pretty much say the Orioles and Rays are at least a step above the other three. But I th- I think it's a case where everybody in the East, it's competitive in the East with each other because it usually is. And then every team in the East can at least beat any other team once, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, right now Baltimore leads it with their tw- – so I'm going to read you some stats. So Okay. Baltimore and Tampa are 20 Baltimore's 24 and 14 with a record in the East. Tampa's 20 and 14. Toronto's 11 and 23. Oof. Yankees are 15 and 21 and Boston 16 and 14. So it goes back to my question. Is this really a competitive division or is the top two teams just dominant and the other three are just winning game had a had a good strong couple months maybe you know because like looking at this you know uh the yankees are 11 and 8 along with red sox in the central you know boston um i mean it just looks like they're they're struggling against every other team other every other division and surprisingly toronto has the best interleague record with 22 and 10 against the nl teams so this year, but you know, is it are they that competitive? Is what I'm saying is because we look at the Yankees and we bash them so much, yeah. and we're just we're just beating them up every single day. But realistically, in, in the Central and maybe in in the West, they may be in a playoff contention if not winning division that, this year. So, um, are they that bad of a team? And my answer is probably yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they they're not a very good baseball team right now. Can they be? 100%. We've seen it last year. We've seen it the year after that. Are they? No. I don't think this division is as competitive as, as it's looking, um, just based on those stats right there. And I'm not usually a stat guy. You can ask Mike. But, you know, ultimately looking at those, numbers don't lie in that situation. They, they don't lose. Two top teams don't dominate the East and they're not even it's not even close like the two teams are not the next three teams are not even close with with the competition so i don't see it you know maybe it's just me but i don't see it as competitive mike bring us home with your fifth take of the week yes so my fifth take of this week uh is kind of a a summation of where we are at since we were gone for so long um where we are at at this point in the year and what the season has been, which is to me, this season has defied expectations more than any in recent memory. What do you mean? And I mean, in, in this sense, allow me to pull up these standings. So the Orioles are suddenly the best team in the East. Yep. The Yankees are not, nope. not expected. Cleveland is suddenly not that good. No one in the Central is that good. The White Sox ended up having to sell at the deadline. Was not expected. The Rangers, even though they made moves, were not expected to be the num- possibly the best team in the AL. They are. 
The Mets have not been good. The Phillies have not been good. The Reds and Cubs are contending with the Brewers for the Central. At one point, the Pirates were leading the Central. The Cardinals are terrible. Yeah. The Diamondbacks, at one point, were leading the West. The Padres and Giants have been lackluster, and the Dodgers got off to one of the slowest starts I've ever seen them get off to. So it's that's what I mean by it. In the sense of you take everybody, you know, obviously before the season starts, we all take a look at what do we expect out of certain teams? What do we expect, you know, the standings to look like? And it hasn't looked, it kind of goes back to what you said earlier. It hasn't looked like that at all. No, I never really hasn't. Half <laughs> of the shit that's happened this year. I, I heard people say definitively was not going to happen. Yeah, no, so, it's just, it's just it's crazy. Wild. I mean, it, it just goes to show, I mean, how much these baseball clubs are buying into each other and, yeah. and, and doing what, you know, it's easier to play without pressure. And what I mean by that, when you're not expected to win and you're just playing free, it's pretty pretty easy to play the game. When you're expected to be the number one team in baseball, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure to hold. A lot of guys can't hold that pressure. The Braves were always talked to be in a, the AL East victory, but the Mets were always – all I've heard is the Mets and the Phillies. Mets and Phillies, right. Mets and Phillies. Braves are finishing third. Well, not this year. Right. <laughs> not the way Acuna's playing. So it just goes to show that, you know, we you can you can guesstimate all you want, but until you put yourself on the field and play, you don't know anything at this point. So right. we, uh, us, us guys doing this podcast and doing all this type of stuff can analyze all we want, but we're not getting on the field. And we're not playing these games. They are. Right. So, you know, ultimately – as much as you know, let's say we would love for the Yankees to play well, we're not on. We're not in the clubhouse. We don't know what's going on. We don't know if there's not team chemistry issues. We don't know what's going on. We don't know if they're just in a slump, honestly. And realistically, as Yankee fans, we're not having that bad of a year. We're fifty-eight and fifty-two. Not, yeah. We have a winning record. We're probably going to go twenty-five straight years or whatever it was, you know, with a winning yeah, record. Yeah. So. I would say pump the brakes a little bit. I understand we have a really big payroll, but pump the brakes a little bit. If you're a Phillies fan, I'd say pump the brakes a little bit. Let your team get some chemistry. They did last year. They'll do it again, and they're in the playoffs. They could be potentially in the playoffs this year. Right now it's San Francisco and Philadelphia in the, in the wild card with the Cubs and the Reds on the outside with the Marlins looking on the outside in. So ultimately pump the brakes a little bit if you're the Phillies. You put, if you're the Mets – I understand you have all this money, but pump the brakes a little bit. Give yourself some time to build some team. If you if it if you need to sell, you need to sell. The White Sox are the biggest what the fuck organization. I don't know what's going on there, and I I really don't. I don't understand how they're this bad. They were a contending team, and I mean maybe Jose Abreu has a has a point. Like we were all bashing him because he was bashing the White Sox, but does he have a point? Is yeah. there something wrong? I mean, I don't know. It's it's, it, it's not looking good for that organization right now because I don't see any success in, in any future. I mean, hats off to Liam Hendricks. That's their best story of the year. But Jesus, I, no. I, I is there no culture or is there a bad culture on that? Yeah. yeah, like we don't know. The biggest what the fuck to me is the Cardinals. Yes. What the hell happened? No, idea. I had them. I I will admittedly say. I think I said it in our first episode. I yes. had them easily walking with this division. 
Yeah, you did. Easily. Yeah, you did. You did say and that. Now they're going to easily walk away with last in this division, which yeah. is insane. It's crazy. It really is. I mean, and especially the two players like Arenado and and um, uh, Arenado and uh, Goldschmidt, having those two guys, you know, as, as dominant as they are in the league. Yeah. They just can't find anything to go. I mean, I didn't like the Adam Wainwright re-sign. I thought he should have just retired with – had that great moment with Yachty and Albert and himself walking off the field. Yeah. You already won two titles. You know, go enjoy retirement. You had a great career. Yeah. Maybe potentially Hall of Fame-esque. I don't know. But, you know, ultimately, I don't know. They just – it's like they have a bad mixture of very old players and they have a very young core. Yeah. In my opinion. So I don't think they were as high as everyone thought they were because they have such a young core. Mm-hmm. And that young core is still getting their legs a little bit in the league. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. It's been a very wacky MLB season, but I actually love it. I love the controversy. I love the madness. I love the, you know, holy shit, this team's going to get in. I like different winners. Yeah. You yeah. know, unless it's the Yankees every single year, which is fine by me. Oh, yeah. But, you know, so. Absolutely. No, I agree. No, I agree. All right, time to take us on home, John. What is your fifth and final takeaway of the week? Down goes Anderson! Down goes Anderson! Down goes Anderson! Speaking of White Sox. Holy <laughs> shit! Rocked! Jose Ramirez, you, you you good, bro. Like, I, I respect cool. you, bro. Cool. Like, I'll never fight you, man. Because he fucking just... Man, Tim Anderson, for all the shit you fucking talk, man, he did not put your money where your mouth is, man. You got knocked the fuck out. <laughs> man, I was watching. I, was, I watched the highlights of that like 10 times, and then that was crazy. Yeah. We have Trey Day. He wanted to come on and talk about that a little bit, but that was like the highlight of the year for the for the mm-hmm. uh, Indian or the Guardians, I'm sorry, there. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was the highlight of the – next to Liam Hendricks coming. They had, like, the two opposite freaking highlights of the year for them. The best story in baseball, coming back after beating Cancer's ass, yeah. and then Jose Ramirez beating his ass. Yeah, Like, no, the storyline yeah. read itself. Like, it, it's just <laughs> – it's just defied the – that's why I said what is going on with Chicago. And now former White Sox players are ripping that team apart. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm getting Bleacher Report after Bleacher Report updates about how former team Hall of Famers are ripping the players apart. Um, uh, suspensions have just been laid down. I think I think Tim Anderson and Ramirez are suspended for like five games um, and whatnot. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's – uh, it's it's incredible. Yeah, uh, it really is like it, it, you want needed a microcosm of the Chicago White Sox. Is that moment? That moment. My the funniest part to me is not when he gets hit. It's after that when his when the guys are bringing him off the field. Exactly. Obviously, yeah, obviously, you know they fought. They both got got you know tossed and all that. Like, that's standard. He's like, I got this, bro. I got this, and they're just looking at him like, No, you don't. Oh, best part of that whole thing. Guy for the Guardians makes his MLB debut, gets ejected. It was about to have his first at bat as a Guardian. But he got in the MLB. 
and he got involved in the brawl and got ejected. So he didn't get to have this film. I forget his name, but he has MLB debut and he got ejected from the game. I was like, <laughs> that's the worst thing to happen. Like, hey, mom, dad, come to my MLB debut. I'm going to have, oh, shit, my son's getting. <laughs> what did he do? I don't know what he did. I think he was in the fight, though. I think he was in, like, yeah, the brawl when it happened. But they usually – if there's any pushing and shoving for baseball brawls, they, everybody every, Everyone comes out, yeah. But that I was just, bad, though. That was, like, like everything – everybody fighting each other, so. Yeah. I just read the, the length of the suspensions. I hadn't seen it. I find it hilarious. So, Ramirez got three games. Anderson got six. So, he got knocked out well, of Anderson ass. started Oh, Anderson, no, he deserves to get more games. I just find it funny, kind of the double thing. He got knocked on his ass, and he's also suspended twice as long. So, yeah, no, uh, I bet the White Sox are really wishing they hadn't have decided to not trade him at the deadline because they made that decision. It came out like an hour before the deadline was up. I don't know if that was worse than the Batista one, though. That's a, dead, that's a, that's a good question because Batista got popped. Like He, he got, got like Odor, Rogue he, got, Odor. He, got him. he got him good. Rough odor, as my mother would call it. But him. like they showed, they, they kept showing the in the highlights, and they kept showing it slow mo, and like it only looked like he got his knuckles. But like, so you really don't know how hard Ramirez hit him. Right. I guess he hit him hard because like yeah, everyone's like, how did, how did he get hit that? I'm like, it's in slow mo. So show me the real speed. And then when I watch yeah. him, he got him good. He got him playing. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, he, oh, yeah. It may not have been like the right. The slow mo we have shown. It wasn't necessarily the standard punch form, but he got him. I don't care what the form is. He got him. So yeah, that's a. You know what? Very good. That's a good way to to round and wrap up. Takeaways. Take well, speaking week. about knocking out, we're gonna knock out this show. We just knocked out this show for you guys. We're we're happy to be back here again. We're gonna be here every single week yeah. until the end of the World Series. Sorry about the delay. We'll be back here next week with a rotation. Stay tuned. Mike, any final thoughts? Yeah, uh, we're uh, in the dog days of August going into September. Uh, contenders are coming, and I am excited to see what happens for the rest of this already wacky MLB season. Me too, me too. Tune in next week to The Rotation where we discuss our five takes of the week. Make sure you subscribe to our socials down below, mm -hmm. and uh, we'll see you guys here next week. Have a good afternoon, everyone.